This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man. <laughs> Boy! Thanks for checking out 90 for Chill, the podcast. This is your host, Cat Bus Russ. I just want to make a little request to those who have been following the podcast for over the last couple of years. If you're doing it on the feed, that is 90forchill, all one word, dot com, two separate words, the podcast, please switch over and subscribe to the newest feed, which is 90forchill, the podcast with Cat Bus Russ. This is just a way to make things more affordable, and I greatly appreciate your efforts, and on to the show. Little Hands says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. Thanks again for checking out 90 for Chill, the podcast with Cat Bus Russ. This is your host, Cat Bus Russ. And this week, well, you know, I could really use some feedback, honestly. It's about how essential is or are weekly podcasts. I just don't want to be the guy to leave people hanging for some time. Like, I want to come up with content every week. Make sure you guys know that I'm doing my work to entertain y'all. So, you know, you could send me some tweets at CatBusRuss in regards to this. Do I go to bi-weekly since this is going to be another solo episode? And it's going to be a, another uh, cinematic six-pack. And I'm going to start it out with a review for the... Well, it's just appropriate. It's May of 2023. That makes it anime. So for the Studio Panko anime, the essential or successor, I should say, to Studio Ghibli with Mary and the Witch's Flower. And then I'm just going to throw in uh, five movies that I think kind of fit my personality. So I don't know if they're all going to be kind of winners, but I would definitely probably give them a chance in some form. So, if you want to be on the show, though, for those bi-weekly sessions, send an email to russthebus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-07 at gmail.com. Offer me a theme, a director, a movie, an actor. Just try to focus on sub-100-minute material. So, I'm about up to time with the music, so let's just go. And thank you to Stacia Harden for keeping an eye on my butt over the last 19 years. And I hope that you're squeezing the ever-undead shit out of Skimbleshanks, the one-eared angel. And I hope you're still looking over everybody you touched in your life. So, I hope you enjoy all these reviews. Thanks for coming to 93rd Chill the Podcast, and I hope to be hearing from all of you very soon. Come on, Peter, let's go! Mary! It's dangerous! Stop! I found it in the woods. The witch's flower. They only bloom once every seven years. They say witches used to seek it out. Ah! What is going on? Ah! Tonight, I really am a witch. This is Endor College! 
one of the most prestigious schools for witches. How do you do, Miss Mary? This is amazing. Mary Smith, see what I see. You're a once-in-a-century talent. A remarkable witch. In this world, there exist certain powers that can never be harnessed. That girl has discovered where the flowers are. She's going to bring them right to us. I mustn't give up. I made a promise. We are going home together, all of us. And I have just concluded Mary and the Witch's Flower from 2017 from Studio Ponak, which is the spiritual successor to Studio Ghibli. And it's a story about little Mary who is getting ready to adjust to a new town as a, you know, your typical preteen, adolescent, and, you know, just general hatred towards you know being lonely and then being a ginger on top of that i suppose and she's always wants to try helping people out fortunately and unfortunately because you know she's a little too rambunctious a little too ambitious and usually causes trouble and i guess you could say her path to get to know a couple of cats tib and gib leads her to find flowers in the nearby forest a forest that no one should go into when there's a mist around it and as it turns out the flower being the witch's flower ends up giving her magical powers when it's squished between her hands and she finds an old broomstick and she gets to visit endor college which is kind of cool i hope that was a joke intended joke but i think this was based off I know it was based off some other story, so I don't think uh, we got a Star Wars reference in there. Flies off to Endor College and is considered to be like a prodigy witch, especially with her red hair. Until the Dean, voiced by Kate Winslet, and the top professor, voiced by Jim Broadbent, realize that oh, she's just found the fly-by-night flower, and that's why she's so powerful. And if they could capture the flower, they can transform students into the ultimate magicians. And they're going to test it out on her friend and the owner of Tib and Gib, Peter. So that's the story. It's fun. Its animation is very solid. It definitely still looks like Studio Ghibli, except a little cheaper. I think they're trying to find their way into having their own style while still looking like what Miyazaki would have offered and speaking of Miyazaki it doesn't have as much whimsy as you would hope for this story I mean granted when you look back at I think it was um, Hayao's son Goro's uh, Tales of Earthsea he didn't really have that kind of little charm but this is from the director of Secret of Arietti, which is a fun kind of tied-down feature. Um, I guess it's just more or less, I say cheaper. It seems like the colors are just 
flushed out more in a sense a little more computer enabled i suppose and it just doesn't feel the same to me and i say cheap and it's not as well drawn as ghibli but as i say they're just trying to find their own style and i think the story runs a little a little too brisk perhaps that's a common theme after recently watching the truman show like there could have been a lot more world building and hey, this implies it's not going to be a sequel so i think i will um so i think i wish it would have just gone full-blown let's just rip off hio i mean this goes back to katzenberg ripping off disney when it came to the battle of ants and a bug's life so but it's definitely something you should show your kids uh it's fun i love ewan bremer's cameo as a talking raccoon slash broomstick master so there's just a lot of fun things to love about it it's great for the kids and it's gonna be very awkward to see where i take this cinematic six-pack from here so as i say it's a mary and the witch's flower is definitely a recommendation i believe you can find it on hbo max or is it max now i don't know especially when you're well off, know it or not. London town ends up being a nice little, kind of wish I had that trauma early on. I know, it's something you shouldn't, but it's a fun, London town's a fun uh, film, uh, try, paying homage to Joe Stromer's legacy and The Clash. It's adequately directed. The uh, music numbers look great. I love the politics. And it's kind of sad, especially since this was released right after the Brexit vote. And you realize we really kind of need to listen to bands like The Clash to get over our identity politics and racism, I suppose. It's sad to see the motherland 
be just as bad off as the states were. And, you know, since they have Boris Johnson, probably going to stay that way for a while. I don't know. That's just a political rant. I'm partial to the music. Now, I do applaud the great acting from our uh, cast of Daniel Huddleston as Shay, a kid who's resentful of his dad making him learn classical music and wants that England and bad-mouthing his mom who's still trying to pursue a music career in London. Uh, after a piano moving accident leaves our character Shay's father uh, in the hospital for weeks at a time, losing the uh, family business and the on the verge of losing the family business, our main character with the assistance of Vivian, pardon if I don't know her name immediately, she actually only best known probably in the States as young Cersei from season five of Game of Thrones. So sweet little, cute little love story, a great homage to Joe Strummer. Really, I don't know if he ever wanted to be idolized, but hey, if it's as charming as this feature was, I don't think he'd care too much. You know, I've been having weird dreams lately. So vivid and real. Today's the day. My 19th birthday. My morning starts out like any other. I'm stressed about this exam I have on Monday, and I was thinking I could use a really good orgasm. Got this kind of weird thing. You do it with guys and girls, right? But you randomly sometimes stick it in a girl does not mean anything beyond you need to monitor your drinking. I have an excruciatingly hot roommate. I'm Thor, like the comic. I sleep naked. I hope that doesn't weird you out. It's like perpetual torture. You're a slut. My partner in crime, Stella. College is just an intermission between high school and the rest of your life. It's four years of having sex, making stupid mistakes, and experiencing stuff. Oh, hey, dude. Slipped it in my door this morning. What do you think it means? I feel this creeping sense of impending doom. Are you worried? Does Mel Gibson hate Jews? I had a really freaky dream last night. They're coming! They're coming to get me! Have we met before? I have special talents. I'm not hallucinating now. I think there's something really freaky is going on. just concluded watching Kaboom, the Greg Iraqi uh, feature from 2010. I just happen to somehow relate to all this stuff or just have a desire to relate to it all. I mean, the stories telling can be nonsensical in most of his features, Doom Generation, Nowhere. 
I think Kaboom actually <laughs> seems to hold up a little better uh, storytelling-wise. Splendor would still be my favorite of his features. Thank for Kelly McDonald. I digress. It's a story about a 19-year-old kid who's definitely a three or four on the Kinsey scale, who's just trying to experience college and sleep with whatever he gets to. And it develops weird relationships with a girl named London, played by Juno Temple. It's Tom Decker who plays our uh, protagonist, Smith. He's got a weird relationship with his best friend who's dating a witch herself. You just keep running into weird kind of gay connections and weird cult that he knows exists. He just can't tell if he's sober or not half the time. It does get crazy in the third act, but... It kind of gives it a resolution that most of his features just don't have. So I think his skills as director had greatly improved since his stuff from the 90s. And awesome soundtrack. As I say, it just makes you really want to deal with more crazy people again. Something I kind of been trying to avoid for the last six years or so. I don't know. I guess I just don't want to grow up. I want the craziness. But that's a statement about me, not really the movie. But I think since he's making the same movie over and over again for the last 30 years, that perchance he knows a lot of people are like me who just are looking for fun anarchy. Emphasis on the fun. And we'll roll with the roaches and nuclear holocaust as they come. Boy, Marty, I really Cronenberg the world up, didn't I? You got a whole planet of Cronenbergs walking around down there, Morty. Uh, at least they're not in love with you anymore, though. It's a huge step in the right direction. Watching the Soska twins, the Twisted Sisters, reimagining of David Cronenberg's Rabid, which I think works as a pretty decent horror film. Maybe run, runs a little too long as they try to mix it in with a contemporary environment being the fashion scene. Basically, our main character, portrayed by Laura Vanderhoop, is injured in a car accident 
which nearly leaves a quarter of her face disfigured but fortunately there's transhumanism doctors who are willing to do stem cell research and such to give her back her face a face she didn't have because she's already scarred prior to this she's got new confidence and climbs the fashion ranks but she's having hallucinations and nightmares of essentially eating people primarily just drinking blood and as this is all going on, there is a rabies outbreak throughout. I think they don't want it to be Toronto because they use CDC, uh, FDA and such. But I've seen Toronto enough in movies to know it. So the technical flaw there. Otherwise, I really would like to be a little more tongue-in-cheek with the Soska sisters. Like American Mary or Dead Hooker in a Trunk. Even See No Evil 2 with Kane. As for the wrestlers who show up in this film, uh, AJ Lee gets a bit part, while uh, CM Punk, Phil Brooks, the inferior CM, but listen to the podcast for that rant. He's your primary draw. And, you know, horror movies and comedy, are the only things I think I can see him, he's got the facial expressions. I just don't know if he has the skill. Like, being kicked out of a club is something you know Phil Brooks has never had happen to him, so... So it's an interesting watch, to say the least. Not bad. Just definitely not up to what brought the Soska sisters to the dance. Pardon me, but I would like to interrupt this current podcast. Just in the event that we did not get our Stuart Gordon insertation completed at the appropriate time. So bear with us and we'll be back with our regularly scheduled podcast. The Spanish Inquisition. A time when religion was fear. There is one faith, and all else is sin. Innocence meant death. And love was lust. The master of this madness was Chief Inquisitor Torquemada. Some souls have turned so far from God that pain is the only way to call them back. She was an angel of light. who would tear his world of torture apart. In Christ's name, I thank you. Have mercy. Arrest her. Maria is like an angel. Satan was an angel. Take me into the castle. And direct me to the dungeon where they keep the women accused of being witches. darkest age comes evil's ultimate weapon look up razor sharp the pit and the pendulum Create a new vision of classic terror, the pit and the pendulum. 
Starring Lance Henriksen from Aliens and Near Dark, Jeffrey Combs of Reanimator, and The Devil's Oliver Reed. The Pit and the Pendulum. It's a slice of history. So I've just concluded Stuart Gordon's adaptation of Edgar Allan Poe's The Pit and the Pendulum, starring Lance Hedrickson as your antagonist, the Grand Inquisitor, who's obsessed with the baker's wife, who he declares is a witch, and figures somehow he'll, he can turn this into a win for him besides adding to numbers of tortured and murdered by the Spaniards of Toledo. Now, it's not like most of the Gordon works because it's a real slow burn. I would say that it definitely doesn't hit you right in the head with intensity or doesn't give you a protagonist who's just in a constant search for answers, frantic even like, say, Daughter of Darkness. But once it gets rolling, and I would say truly gets rolling once we see Oliver Reed try to be a cardinal, a drunk one at that, trying to change the ways of the Inquisition, you know, knock off the torture and the murder, which leads to a great another Poe reference, the... I don't even want to go and screw it up, the cask of... Sorry, I don't have wiki up. So the horror effects don't really kick in until the third act. So as I say, it just doesn't feel very Gordon-esque, except in the fact that it's very much like a play, which is where Gordon got his start. You know, it's, it's a slow burn, but it's worthwhile, to say the least. I think it kind of proves Henderson is more of a supporting character instead of a focus actor. Sad to say, maybe I should give Pumpkinhead a try just to get that straightened out. But... As I say, for the fans, you'll like it. Will it be all right? Should I be afraid? It's coming! <laughs> Looking for an old woman. She lives somewhere in the mountains here, guys. All she can do is take you straight to hell. You go home and you bury your boy. Some folks will say is how she's got powers. Who are you? Ed Harley. What do you want, Ed Harley? Sad. You're looking for vengeance. Vengeance. Sad. There's no graveyard way back deep in them woods. The thing you're looking for is in there. It was an accident. watching Pumpkinhead starring Lance Hendrickson, which I think, sorry, Lance Hendrickson, I know I put a D on that, but hey, um, for uh, Centauri Whiskey's end, so let it be, but it ends up being a pretty well-paced horror film, you really 
don't see the time going by and a lot of that is interesting because it's a 45 minute first act and first and second act where not much happens uh, at least just building towards the creature coming out now when the creature comes out it takes a while for it to really be scary but it does eventually pay off as for lance henriksen henriksen as a lead lead uh He's a character actor, okay? And I just, I this works because he's not really trying to chew up all the scenery and he's not supposed to pers- be the person to chew up all the scenery. There's, you know, some faults, I'd say, with the narrative. I would have probably built it around, you know, saving the last douchebag to die in the most horrific way. And he gets it in a pretty bad way. Sorry, spoiler, but... Come on, I could be a little more imaginative, especially if I was Stan Winston, special effects master. It's a story about a, a farmer, grocery store owner, let's just say the Appalachian Mountains, whose son is accidentally killed by a drunk dirt biker who calls upon the ancient demon Pumpkinhead to enact vengeance, soon to realize that, yeah, six lives for one, might be a little extreme. What I get out of this is it's treat it's intriguing just to figure out how they could do a sequel for this. So it's a solid film, just nothing exceptional. But hey, if you're desperate for horror, check it out. Superman. Thanks for checking out the podcast once again. This is Cat Bus for us, and I would just like to let you know that next week we are going to be doing the Truman Show in honor of the. Can Film Festival with the Poetic Critic. So rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast apps. If you do it on Apple Podcast, I will reciprocate your review. My username is the Scoops Daily. Always support Spotify. That's who's helped me out with the podcast right now. So hope you enjoy the rest of your week and look forward to welcoming you back to 90 for Chill, the podcast with Cat Bus Russ. Can I hear a wahoo?